We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We are live on the RotoWire Fantasy Baseball Podcast brought to you by Rival Fantasy. Visit RivalFantasy.com or download the app today for a better way to play daily fantasy baseball. This is the afternoon of Saturday, June 3rd. I'm Drew Silva. With me here is Chris Crawford. Uh, so last Saturday, we analyzed the current 5 by 5 scoring leaders among hitters, average runs scored, homers, RBIs, stolen bases, and each picked out a name that we thought was for real and a name we should maybe fade for each one of those categories this week we'll do the same but for the pitching categories wins uh, stupid wins uh era <laughs> whip strikeouts and our, our old friend the save uh, uh, first we'll get through some some headlines uh from the later weekday slate of games the, the lead story right now uh there wasn't a ton from the newswire on saturday morning an afternoon jose altuve is out of the astros lineup with oblique discomfort on saturday that's worth watching it's being called precautionary uh for now but you hear oblique and you know precautionary mm -hmm. and we kind of know where this sometimes leads hopefully it really is just nothing ellie de la cruz is still at triple a louisville he's in their lineup on saturday so He's not coming up to Cincinnati yet. I guess that probably needs daily updating. It seems like that's, mm -hmm. that might happen within the next week, I would even say within the next couple of days, perhaps. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll say the lead story is Chris Sale, who was placed on the injured list Friday with what's being called shoulder inflammation. He felt some discomfort in his shoulder in the fourth inning of his start Thursday against the Reds. Got a couple of mound visits in that inning. You worry that he might have tried to, to pitch through it and made this injury worse. Red Sox manager Alex Cora even expressed concern about that, that, that Cora felt like he, he should have pulled sale at the first sign of trouble. Uh, but you can only really rely on, on what the pitcher is telling you in that, in that situation. Sale was sent for an MRI and a CT scan on Friday. It sounds like the, res the results of those imaging scans are still being evaluated. This could be a, a situation where he seeks multiple opinions before a real diagnosis is offered to the public. And it, it's hard to just diagnose shoulder injuries in general. I'd say right. either way, it's going to be a while before sale returns. He did say he doesn't think it's something that will require surgery, but again, who knows with shoulder injuries, what's our campaign slogan, Chris band shoulders, 2023. Bitch. Is that what we settled on? <laughs> Yeah, Band Shoulders 2023. And unfortunately, it'll be Band Shoulders 2024, 25, 26. It's a big no, bummer, man, too. We're going to get it done. I admire your optimism. Uh, it's such a bummer because he was pitching so well, too. Like he'd given up uh, just one run or uh, no more than two runs in his last four starts. He had a 2.42 ERA with a 30 to four strikeout to walk ratio in the month of May. He was pitching well in that game against the Reds when he left. You know, that's the thing, though, is what version will we see when we get him back and when will we get him back? Because unfortunately, injuries have been a thing with Chris Sale in the past. He is a guy who has an unorthodox pitching motion that certainly has, you know, given a lot of really quality outings over his career one of the best left-handed most dominant left-handed pitchers that i've seen in my time but it kind of sounds like we're going to be without him for a while uh some positive news we're going to see an mlb well, yeah, debut i just today, I, I wanted to go go please i wanted please, to talk please, more please. 
Sorry. Sorry to cut you off. I'm, I'm bad at That's speaking okay. when we okay. do these shows. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree that he's he's been up and down a lot this year, but like from a fantasy standpoint, pretty effective with, with like you mentioned, yeah. the strikeouts. 71 strikeouts and 59 innings, only 15 walks, a 4.5 ADRA. Um, I, I, I'm also thinking about like what the Red Sox will do internally. Corey Kluber is back from paternity leave. He was demoted oh, to the bullpen sure. before that paternity leave list stint. Um, and then actually came out in relief in the first game of this doubleheader Saturday against the Rays. So I don't really know what that means for Boston's overall pitching plan moving forward. They're not really well-equipped to handle a starting pitcher like sale getting injured. And I mean, you don't want Kluber in fantasy, even if he's going to be, you know, no settled back in, into a rotation spot. He's been pretty awful this season, an ERA over six through nine starts. Yeah. We'll just have to wait to hear more on sale. And, and you were about to talk about maybe a, a young pitcher who could be kind of a plug and play option, perhaps if for fantasy managers who, who have rostered sale. Yeah, potentially. It's going to be interesting to see how long he's going to be up. But uh, that pitcher is Brian Wu, who is going to make his MLB debut. Uh, we're recording right around 1 o'clock Pacific time, the best time zone. Uh, but he's going to be pitching against the Texas Rangers. That's a tough debut. He's taking the spot of Marco Gonzalez. Uh, Gonzalez dealing with some injury issues. It doesn't know. They haven't really said uh, how long this is going to be for Gonzalez the last time I checked. But Marco Gonzalez has not been good, and I think Brian Wu has a chance to maybe steal his rotation spot. Look, this was a right-hander who was in AA Arkansas, posted a 2.05 ERA, a 59-12 to strikeout-to-walk ratio, a whip below 0.9, and hitters, batters were only hitting 174 against this guy. Now, Wu was not a huge prospect coming out of his draft. He was drafted with the 174th pick out of Cal Poly, uh, rehab through Tommy John surgery velocity has gone quite a bit up now shows a, a well above average slider, a pretty good change throws pretty much everything for strikes. I don't think he's a fantasy ace ever, but I can see him being like a fantasy mid rotation guy. Question's going to be, is he going to stay in the rotation? I would consider him maybe for a, an ad, but probably not using him against that loaded Texas Rangers lineup. That Rangers lineup is so good, true. I don't think people give it nearly enough credit for how good it's been. But he's certainly somebody I would consider as an ad to my roster. And then, you know, take a wait-and-see approach. If you have to drop him, so be it. But it'll be very interesting to see how Wu handles that Texas lineup today. I thought this question was interesting. I mean, do we want to speculate on when Ellie De La Cruz is coming up or – we kind of said it'll probably be within the next week. I, I mean, we, what the super two deadline like just passed, right? Or we're approaching yeah. it. Um, getting close, it's kind anyway. of a floating, yeah. it's kind yeah. of a floating date anyway. And then also, yeah, Justin Steele, I forgot that's that's worth mentioning. He was mm-hmm. diagnosed Friday with a mild forearm strain, they're calling it. The Cubs have not placed him on the IL yet, but I think that will happen. Hopefully it really is just mild and he just needs to miss a turn or two in their rotation. He's been really good this year, um, but I would expect that he is going to be placed on the IL. It'll, it'll probably happen Sunday because then they can retroactive it to uh, Wednesday or Thursday so that they can get him back within 12 days. um, If they do that, Uh, Jordan Walker has been recalled by the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Started in right field and, and batted eight Friday night at Pittsburgh. His first major league game since April 23rd. He went one for five with a single and a strikeout in what was a brutal seven to five loss for St. Louis. They had a five nothing lead at one point. Yeah. Giovanni Gallegos got pulverized in the seventh inning, I believe it was. Gave up a go ahead grand slam um, to Cabrian Hayes. Just another ugly night in what can has I, been can, an ugly. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Yeah, I was going to just tell you that there was some good that came out of that for a person that I buy baseball cards from hit a $50,000 parlay because of that game. When uh, Carlos Santana hit that grand slam, we were live streaming. uh, Was it Santana or Hayes? Oh, no, Hayes hit hit a homer. Yes. And then uh, because I just remember the grand slam Tana thing, but uh, he won a $50,000 parlay. 
for the Pirates winning that baseball game. So there was some good that came out of it. Hopefully that means he'll be discounting some of my baseball cards because he just won 50 grand and maybe make some of the breaks a little bit cheaper. But I do think that's pretty cool. Shout out to Wolf's card breaks. That's an awesome thing to have. 50 grand on a parlay. I've never come well, I've never actually bet on a parlay because I can't in this state, but I've never come close to anything like that. Yeah. I mean, how this Jordan Walker situation has been handled, I, I almost want like a full reset on it. Oh. I was excited that he made the opening day roster, but there were reasons, you know, mainly defensive to keep him down out of the gate, watch him have success in what would have been sure. his first um you know, taste of triple a. And it's, it's not like this team, this Cardinals team, this depth chart was an immediate need of outfield help. No. Uh, there were just a lot of reasons to keep him down. Hindsight, you know, is always easier than reality. I, I just worry that Cardinals have, have toyed too much with one of their best hitting prospects since I want to say like Albert pools, but he wasn't even really a prospect. He just emerged out of nowhere. Oscar Torres, right. like maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Walker was hitting a ton of ground balls when the, when the Cardinals sent him down, they wanted him to work mm-hmm. on lofting the ball more, but you look at what he was swinging at the type of pitches. He seemed to really want to go after low in the zone stuff, sure. which isn't a great idea with his build. Um, so maybe it's more about like pitch recognition than launch angle. I don't know. Like Walker did say uh, a couple weeks ago that he kind of abandoned what the Cardinals told him to do when they sent him down because he felt like he was overthinking everything. He had a brutal stretch offensively when they first demoted him. Stop laughing, Chris. This is not funny for for me. Eh, It's just none of it is like the the stuff that you want from a a 21-year-old. He just turned 21 years old, like a potential future star. Um I'd try him again in fantasy with, with the raw tools, with a, a path for everyday playing time right now. We should mention that Lars Nupar was placed on the injured list Friday with a lower back yeah. contusion. That was the corresponding 26-man roster move for Walker. It's it's not a serious injury with Nupar. He should be ready to return around the time he's first eligible to be activated. Um, I, I don't know. It, it just It opens the door to where the Cardinals actually need Walker right now. Um, sure. You know, there's another update on their outfield situation with Tyler O'Neill. He's been shut down for another 10 days and his, his recovery <sighs> yeah. from a lower back injury continues to hit like these roadblocks. I think this is his third setback already. Um, he like tries to resume baseball activities and then has to stop just a few days in a new round of tests were done on O'Neill's back late this week. They didn't show anything structurally problematic, but I think you can rule O'Neill out through at least the end of June, I'd say. Like, And what does that do to his trade value as the Cardinals keep looking probably, I hope, hopefully, for a starting pitcher? They have one of the worst records in the National League. I, only the Rockies have a better record. or They might even be like tied in the win column. Um, but a positive run differential for the Cardinals. They're just five and a half yeah. games back of the Brewers for first place in the National League Central. <sighs> And you look at that lineup that Milwaukee is is having to run out there these days. Like that's a very catchable team. They've got decisions sure. to make too. On do they want to trade one of their big starters? Like because I mean they did this last year with with Josh Hader when they were leading the division and then you know traded their their dominant closer to the Padres because they they kind of mm-hmm. had to because he was getting really exp- had to is a a strong phrase sure. but right. he was, he was getting too expensive for what is the smallest market smallest market team in in baseball i mean like if if it's crazy to say but if i had to pick right now and i'm a pessimistic cardinals fan if if people can't tell i Mm -hmm. i would pick the cardinals to win that division and i don't know how they're going to get it done i i think maybe there's like a managerial front office move coming uh someone's going to take the blame for how bad things have gone but they're mm-hmm. like right in the hunt, even though they've been so bad. And I, I would say it's the most talented current major league roster in that division, even still. They need pitching. Yeah, I would yeah. Oh boy, do they ever. Yeah, that I would totally pick them to win the division. And that's more darning with faint praise than a huge compliment to them. I just don't think anybody in that division is all that good. Milwaukee, 
I do think they can be aggressive at the deadline because they have some unbelievable outfield depth in their prospects. So if they want to go that route, they certainly can improve. Jackson Cheerio obviously isn't getting traded. But I did think this stat, by the way, speaking of Walker, was interesting from my buddy RJ Anderson. Um, he notes that his AAA numbers weren't impressive within themselves, but it's worth noting that his average launch angle of 11.3 was more than eight degrees higher than the mark he posted in his uh, in the majors. So lifting the ball was at least, uh, even if he was ignoring it, it was much better uh, going in those AAA games than it was in St. Louis. Uh, Tristan McKenzie is back, Drew, or he will be back on Sunday. Uh, he has missed the entire season while dealing with a shoulder problem, a Terra's major muscle strain that uh, happened in his final Cactus League start. I remember that now that that was just terrible timing. Look, this was one of the best right-handers in baseball last year, whether you uh, remember it or not, a 2.96 ERA and 191 one-third innings, 190 strikeouts against 25 walks, a whip of 0.95. You know, he looks pretty solid, I guess, in his uh, his ramp-up starts. It's more about getting healthy than anything else with those numbers. I wouldn't pay too close attention to them. It's just more about getting those pitch counts up. I think there might be some re- uh, wear and, you know, uh, some rust to wear, to wear off. Wow, that was a lot of word jumble there, Chris Crawford. I think McKenzie's going to be just fine. I think he is somebody that I was kind of fading before the season just because same. I don't think he's yeah. a, I think well, it's not a fantasy ace type guy. I think he's good. I think and Cleveland does such a good job with these arms. But I do think if he's somehow someone who's still available in your fantasy league, I would certainly go get him. Yeah, I mean, he he was being drafted as a top 100 guy like a mm-hmm. you know, a top 17ish starter in some leagues. Like that that was a little aggressive for me. He was great last year, but there were a lot of ways to like poke holes in, in what he was doing and to expect some regression and ERA. And I don't think he's ever going to be like an elite strikeout guy, but if you've been holding on to him in an IL spot, you, you got to feel pretty excited that he's finally going to, yeah. going to give you some value. Um, we'll talk a bunch more pitchers. We're going to a- analyze those current fantasy leaderboards on the pitching side, pitchers. We like pitchers. We don't believe in quite as much first, a quick commercial break. A new MLB season means it's time for a new kind of daily fantasy baseball. Rival Fantasy is the fantasy platform reinventing the way daily and weekly games are played, and they've brought new games to the ballpark this year that fantasy players won't find anywhere else. Rival Fantasy's games include Fantasy Bingo, Head-to-Head Player Challenges, and Fantasy Book, where users can select over-unders for two to five players. With games like this, daily fantasy has never been better. Right now, RotoWire listeners can get a $50 protected first play. That means if you win your first play, you keep your winnings. But if you lose your first entry, Rival Fantasy will fully, ref- fully refund you up to 50 bucks. Go to play.rivalfantasy.com slash sign up and use code RotoWireMLB at sign up. Deposit a minimum of $25 to get your first entry on Rival protected up to $50. Now's the time to step up to the plate and become a rival today. Welcome to the arena. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. All right, let's analyze these current fantasy leaderboards. What do we have? Wins, uh, ERA, whip, strikeouts, and saves. I'll let you go first. Give me your um, your for real and your fade on wins. And let's get some, so, some really in-depth analysis for how a pitcher acquires a win. So one thing I wanted to just point out through all of these things is like it just goes to show you that like all of this stuff it's more about like you can attack categories i think a lot more with hitters than you can with pitchers like there's nobody like there's no crappy starter on uh, a really good team that i'm just going to be like adding because i think he might give me wins right whereas look there are stolen base if i'm down in that category if i'm down in the home run category i'm maybe more apt to add somebody who's going to be hitting like 175 who can hit uh give me some home run help or somebody who has zero home runs who might give me 40 stolen base pace it's it's you just don't do that with pitchers Um, but i will say this as much as i don't believe in pittsburgh i think mitch keller's for real and i think he's going to help in the win category because i think he's going to go deep enough into games where i think he's going to give you those w's and it's so refreshing to see how well Mitch Keller has pitched this year as a guy who was a huge fan of him as a prospect guy had him on many top 10 lists for fantasy and it just didn't work out I mean look he came in with like a win-loss record of like 19 and 30 which again a little bit not his fault but it's not like he pitched super well he's been excellent this year and it's been so impressive to see how nice of a job he's done with missing bats He is somebody who I think it's worth pointing out is still only 27, even though it seems like he's been around absolutely forever. I'm absolutely believing in Mitch Keller as a, um, a guy who's not going only going to help you in a a bunch of categories, but I think he's going to help you in that win category. Um, Someone I'm fading. And I think we're going to have to embrace debate here a little bit, Drew, um, because I do believe you're going to bring this guy up in another category. I'm not believing in Zach Eflin, especially in the win category, because okay, yeah, I don't, I I don't, yeah, it's it's the thing about Zach Eflin is like we've seen these flashes of brilliance from him before. He's actually only 29, and that's uh, surprising to me. It seems like Zach Eflin has been around forever. Maybe it's because I covered that draft. That's one of the very first ones I did for ESPN. Like he's been really good this year. He's getting hitters to chase at an elite rate and he's throwing strikes at an elite rate, but he doesn't have an elite fastball. He doesn't get, uh, he doesn't do an exceptional job avoiding barrels. Their fastball can be pretty straight. I like Tampa Bay too, but I also think that there may be no team through no fault of their own that is due for more regression than Tampa Bay race. It's hard to go yeah. at a 115 win pace. So that's the reason why I'm fading him in that category. There's some other categories to like as well for Zach Eflin, but in terms of wins, I do think that this pace is going to slow down pretty good. We're not doing this right. I should be screaming at you and then we'd get like a $10 million a year contract from FS1 <laughs> yeah, or go. something. Nice, but yeah, I'll I'll talk about Eflin a, a little bit actually coming right up. But uh, mm-hmm. for wins for me, I love what we've seen so far from Nathan Givaldi there with the Rangers, who you were high on their wins total going into the year, and it looks like they might get there by you know early August. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, that, yeah, sitting at the top of the AOS standings, and Ivaldi. Um, you could put him in a, in a bunch of different categories for this kind of mm-hmm. experiment. Uh, got that two-year, $34 million contract from Texas in December, like looking like a heck of a bargain now for 
again, a team that is, you know, leading the AL West, I think coming into Saturday by two and a half games, you know, the the Astros are always going to be dangerous, but this could be a for real kind of thing for the the Rangers in general. And the reason Uvalde came relatively cheap is because of the injury concerns. Durability has been an issue for him throughout his career. He had a little side stiffness in camp. I remember writing this up and it felt for a moment like a, here we go again type of thing with him. Um, but got through that fine clean bill of health to, to open the regular season. And the result, the results so far have been spectacular, a Mm 2.42 ERA, 0.996 whip, 70 strikeouts, only 14 walks through 74 and a third innings, seven wins and 11 starts. He's already thrown two complete games. One shutout is, is Bruce Bochy like back managing or what's going on with like this pitcher usage? <laughs> he is he oh it's I, I've got it in my ear he is confirmed he's the, the manager of the Rangers now uh, oh okay um, I mean I, I just I love to see a guy like working deep into games yeah it's it's just we don't see it very often and I, I love it for fantasy and the command that Eovaldi has shown so far like obviously helps the cause to work deep into games he's in the middle of a two-start week right now to uh, the second of those coming Sunday against your Mariners you've uh, yeah. already got the nod on Memorial Day in Detroit. He threw five scoreless in route to notching his seventh win. His pitch count got up in that one. The command wasn't especially great, but worked out of jams well. If his health cooperates, like this is a, a, a fantasy gem and a, mm-hmm. a free agency gem for the Rangers. Average draft position yeah. was in the 220 range, so like near the back end of, of shallower drafts. He's not a sexy name on draft boards, but man, he, he could be going into next year. And, and I'm sure there's plenty of people that are, have been trying to trade for him. Kyle Gibson sure. is my fade um, with wins. He was my fade in, in one of these categories. Last time we did this, we did this about a month ago with hitters and pitchers. It could have been wins. Um, and I guess the fact that he's still up near the top of the wins leaderboard is a credit to Gibson and, and what the Orioles are doing in general. And Gibson has been like a steadying force for them. He's helping the O's overcome what looked like a pretty rough opening day rotation on paper. Grayson Rodriguez didn't really work out, got sent back down. Um, I have another Baltimore pitcher coming up in a, in a different category. Uh, but despite like the overall success so far, Gibson just doesn't have the profile of the type of pitcher you're going to see high atop many leaderboards when all is said and done on the 2023 season, maybe innings. Like he's been durable. He still is at age 35, but the underlying metrics here, and even some of like the, the back, back of the baseball card style of numbers aren't sure. very high on, on what Gibson brings to the table. I think it's kind of an, an obvious fade. I went obvious there for wins because wins are dumb. The wins are really dumb. And I'll tell you, I have an obvious fade for, uh, moving on to the ERA category, but I like both of those picks, especially Yovaldi. He's been fantastic, and I'm super nervous about my Seattle Mariners going up against him because that lineup is expletive deleted. Uh, For the ERA, let's talk about the guy who pitched against the Mariners uh, last night and was fantastic, and he's been fantastic for the majority of the season. I'm buying into John Gray. It's a different profile than I thought he would be when he was the third overall pick out of Oklahoma it certainly helps that he's not pitching in the cesspool of a pitching park that is Coors Field but he's been outstanding especially as of late they believe this is now one two three four straight five straight starts where he's gone uh allowed just one run and no more he's getting deep into games he's gone seven for the last two he pitched eight innings of shutout baseball against double a midland aka the Oakland Athletics like, and if you look at the stat cast numbers, like he's been really impressive. His hard hit percentage is in the 80th percentile. His average exit velocity is well above average. He's not missing as many bats as I thought he would. Like I said, uh, coming out of Oklahoma, where he was a guy who showed an 80 fastball and a 70 grade slider, but he's been pretty darn good. And I really like, like for wins, he was another guy that I like because I just really like this Texas Rangers lineup. And I think they can get better too, because they have a system that can maybe add some outfield depth. Help- Outfield help to that team and some bullpen help. That's one thing for sure that Texas is going to be looking at uh, is adding some bullpen arms. And my fade's a really easy one. It's Bryce Elder. Like, look, there's no denying how impressive this kid has been as a 24-year-old. He has a 1.92 ERA. I believe that is the best in baseball right now. 
there's absolutely no way this is sustainable. This is a guy who just doesn't have the stuff for it to be. He throws a well below average fastball that is not helped by spin. He doesn't generate generate a ton of extension on it. He has a really good slider, and he has a quality changeup. He's avoided barrels at a very nice rate, and he's throwing strikes for the most part. But you cannot have a 1.92 ERA with an average X velocity in the bottom 13th percentile and in a hard hit rate of the ninth percentile. All credit to Atlanta. They've done a fantastic job with prof- profiles like this. But Bryce Elder may be the easiest ERA fade that I have ever talked about, although I don't think I've talked about more than one ERA fade in my life. Um, for me, Eduardo Rodriguez was going to be my for real pick here, man. He looked like he was all the way back for the Tigers this year and and a really interesting trade candidate with that opt out looming, but right. He suffered, he suffered. I I don't even, I'm going to have to look up what exact diagnosis, a left index finger pulley rupture earlier this week. That's a new one for me. Um, but there have been some other, yeah. There've been some like past injuries. You have to like go back to early 2000s, 90s, where this was an issue for a different kind of pitcher. And it can be a several week thing. There's no real timetable yet from Detroit's medical staff, just starters dropping like flies for the Tigers who are kind of still in it. Like the American League Central is a lot like the National League Central. I feel bad for them. Um, and the Riley Green thing that they, they they could have capitalized on this down division and been an exciting team maybe this year. They have some some young starters coming back soon too, so we'll see. Um, but yeah, Erod like what he he can opt out after this year. He would leave three years, forty nine million on the table. Sign that five year, seventy seven million dollar contract last year before some weird things happened behind the scenes and he wasn't very, around the Tigers and wasn't very effective. Um, but anyway, if, if, if he gets off the IL and like keeps pitching, like he has a 2.13 ERA through 11 starts, 67 strikeouts, 67 innings. Um, we can table that Erod discussion for, for now is the injury situation situation plays out and, and maybe he gets right. back before the trade deadline. Um, I'm trying to avoid that. I pick Zach F Eflin as my for real. On ERA. <laughs> hey. Um, embrace it, but just man. what, a, what an, yeah, what an addition just for the race so far, they oh, went gosh, really yeah. aggressive with him, like a three year, $40 million contract. I believe it was, uh, this winter to make him, he really wanted to be like a traditional style starting pitcher. The Phillies didn't give him a chance to be one. Um, mm-hmm. but he, even then, like the Rays really identified him as, as someone they wanted. I, I don't know if he would have gotten $40 million from any team. And it's weird to say when you're talking about the Rays that they got aggressive with payroll, but so far a 3.30 ERA, 57 strikeouts, only eight walks in 60 innings. It's not an ERA in the twos, but if the control stays where it's at, you know, the number could very well drop moving forward. It, sure. it just helps so much in the run prevention realm when you're not giving up free passes. Um, obvious yeah. point made obvious. Like we'll see what happens with the workload. I, I think that's a thing that you know maybe you pointed out with wins. Like he he's he's not really built up to be a 200 inning starter or anything really close sure. to that. Um, he's yeah. he's thrown over 100 innings just once in the last four years. Obviously, COVID affected one of those years, but a good defense behind Eflin there with with Tampa Bay and a great situation overall to, I think, keep thriving in in terms of run prevention. He's been working deep. He's been avoiding big blowups. The game log with him is so weird. Like eight strikeouts over seven innings on May 20th against the Brewers, then zero strikeouts over seven innings on May 25th against the Blue Jays. Mm -hmm. But all through it, you know, the expected ERA is 2.98. His average draft position was near 300 this spring. Um, even if he doesn't, you know, finish as a fantasy ace, because at some point his workload is going to have to be like naturally stunted. Uh, what an incredible value he's been. Uh, I'll fade that Sonny Gray is the best pitcher in baseball. Like his ERA <laughs> suggests that he is, he is right now or, or might be, at, at least from a run prevention standpoint, 1.94 is the mark currently the ERA. The yeah. FIP is 2.19. The ERA plus is 2 point or 218, which leads mm-hmm. all American League starters. And it all kind of like checks out 
Uh, I was trying to to poke holes here, but um, the strikeout rate has been up. He's allowed zero home runs. Like, do I have that right? Can you double check that? I, I believe that's 250 batters faced zero home runs. That'll help the I cause think, for a low yeah. ERA. Yeah. Sure. He allowed 36 homers among 488 batters faced in 2022. So already halfway mm-hmm. to that total in batters faced. I would probably build that into my expectation for a regression that oh, sure. at some point somebody is going to go deep off, off Sonny Gray. Just, just in general, sure. he's been more of a three ERA pitcher, sometimes twos, but um, the career has had a lot of ups and downs for Gray, a lot mm-hmm. of injuries, stretches of ineffectiveness. If he stays healthy, he's going to be a very good fantasy starter the rest of the way, um, even with the expectation that the ERA will eventually rise out of the ones. Um, a little more than a strikeout per inning, low three ERA, I think is where I, I see this all ending up. That's kind of the base projection for a guy like Sonny Gray. Um, then again, I, I don't I don't know that I'd like necessarily categorize him as a sell high for fantasy managers, you know, depending on what you can get, of course, because again, the underlying metrics do check out and we've seen, you know, spurts of dominance from him or like something close to it in the past. Mm-hmm. I'd say just enjoy the ride and and like don't expect that you know he's going to be the ERA leader at the end of the year but if he keeps going and and manages to avoid physical setbacks he could be a he could finish as a top 20 starter that's not like out of the the range of possible outcomes no and I think it's worth pointing out we're already seeing that regression like in May he had a 3.55 ERA he's had 3 so so starts in a row i mean this was going to happen and it's worth pointing out that like we've picked the two guys who are leading baseball in era to fade bryce elder at 1.92 sunny gray at 1.94 it's more about just the fact that baseball's hard and sticking with an era under two unless you're talking about one of these elite starters is really really hard and i don't think either one of those guys qualifies as that so yeah just be prepared for some regression uh, especially with elder for me um but sunny gray certainly somebody that i'd be looking to at least fade in that one category uh the whip category i'm going to do a pair of seattle mariners uh it, maybe it's obvious point is obvious just not enough people talking about how good george kirby is this is a guy who just pounds the strike zone and is really taking a step forward this year um walk percentage in the 99th percentile i'm honestly surprised it's not in the hundredth because i don't know who's throwing more strikes than this guy right now a 3.04 era he's getting deep into games too he's averaging more than six innings a start went eight innings in his last start against the yankees of shutout baseball look there's there's no starter i trust to throw strikes right now more than george kirby and that is such a high compliment because there's some really good hurlers out there but george kirby repeats his mechanics so well and lives inside of that strike zone trust his stuff maybe a little too much sometimes but it is such impressive to see that a 25 year old just pounds the strike zone i am absolutely buying into george kirby being a whip star for his entire career Uh, i'm gonna fade logan gilbert though now look it's not about him not throwing strikes because he's in the 93rd percentile and he's had some unbelievably good starts too and i think it's worth pointing out that a lot of websites think he's had some bad luck in terms of his overall era which is 4.08 which is nothing to write home about but there's been some dominant stuff. I just think he gives up a little too much hard contact for me to really believe in him as a whip guy. There's going to be some starts where he, even if he isn't walking guys, he's going to give up some hits. Um, The limited shift, which I think is absolute. We've got to stop talking about it. It's, it's, it's barely limited at that, but you know, like there are some more hits going up into between that first base and second base hole Um, average at avoiding barrels average and getting actual swings and miss does not have a lot of spin on his fastball. I think Logan Gilbert's capable of dominance, but there are just enough clunkers for lack of a better term that I'm kind of fading him overall in the whip category. Joe Ryan is, is my for real here, even though he's coming off his worst outing of the year this past week against the Astros five earned runs on four hits and three walks and four innings to take just his second loss of the season. But Ryan's been great. Otherwise overall a 2.77 ERA 1.00 on the dot whip 76 strikeouts with just 13 walks through 65 innings, seven and two record, everything you'd want. If you'd reach for him 
in drafts this spring, thinking there was another step forward for him to take after his mini breakout, or you could even call it a full-on breakout in 2022, however you want to define it. Um, the analysis was that his fastball was really good, but he probably needs to improve his secondary offerings to stay where he was last year or even take a step forward. And Ryan's done that. Um, the splitter, the slider, it looks like he fully abandoned the changeup, which wasn't a good pitch for him. Um, the kind of tweaks you like to see, like toying with the arsenal, keeping the good, getting rid of the bad, and all with excellent command to like pull this off, to, to make these kind of mm -hmm. changes. You can punch holes in a lot with Ryan, um, that he's not an elite starter, that he's not an ace overall, a fantasy ace or like a, a budding real life ace, but the whip, sure, I'd count on that being there the rest of the way because he doesn't pile up, you know, free passes like we talked about. It's, yeah. it's obvious. He and he he has more ways to get batters out this year than he did last year when the numbers were already super encouraging. Um so I I, I really like it at, like what he's developing into. I, again, I don't know that he's going to be ever like an ace. Mm -hmm. But man, like cuz he he was never a top 100 prospect. Um but the minor league numbers like suggest that it, it all points to him being a, a pretty good starter. I, I don't know if you want to talk about Joe Ryan before I get into my fade. No, I was just going to really quick say just two things about Joe Ryan. One, he kind of was at the edge for me of top 100, but it doesn't matter what you're talking about is a hundred percent. Right. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention when people tell you that the Tampa Bay Rays don't lose trades, just bring that one up and they will shut up yeah. for a very long time because Joe Ryan for Nelson Cruz isn't just a bad trade for the Rays. It's a bad trade for anybody. Nelson Cruz didn't do crap for the Tampa Bay Rays. And Joe Ryan, whether you believe is a fantasy ace or a mid-rotation starter, uh, a lot more valuable to them than what Nelson Cruz was going to give that team. So please stop telling Rays me were the so, Tampa Bay yeah. Rays don't lose <laughs> trades. They were so desperate for some kind of power that year. And yeah. everyone was saying they got to get a power bat. And and they did it, even though they identified Ryan and man, he would he would fit so well in that pitching staff. But he, he'd yeah, be oh like my. in some kind of long relief swing man role. We'd be frustrated. <laughs> I'm I'm yes, glad he's would. with Minnesota. Um, yes, we would. I'll fade another Orioles pitcher here with Tyler Wells, a 0 0.825 whip right now to lead all major league starters. A 3.29 ERA, like this far into the season, you usually don't find that that great of a ERA whip dis disparity discrepancy with a starting pitcher. Um, right. He's allowed some hard contact, 13 homers through 10 starts. Wells is, is throwing this new cutter and he told uh, Alex fast of pitcher list that it's, it's something he was toying with all spring and that he kind of found it like just at the close of the grapefruit league schedule. So maybe there's a real leap happening here for him at age 28, but, Count me as like a at least a little bit skeptical that he's going to be the MLB leader and whip the rest of the way. Wells is not a velocity guy. He attacks the zone, um, and there's maybe been some luck with not getting barreled up by opposing hitters as much as he should be. It's an interesting arsenal. He's almost like a, a junk baller with command. I mean, mm. they, there's a comp here to, to Joe Ryan, I guess, if you really want to stretch it. But I, I just don't see dominance. Uh, I see big league hitters figuring him out eventually. He gets the Giants next on Sunday. That one might make me look bad because Wells should be able to navigate that Giants lineup. Um, right. And hey, he was like free in most drafts or most leagues, a, a waiver wire dude. There isn't even a, a listed average draft position for him in standard formats. I had to look it up 541 at NFBC. And I, you and I talked about Wells last year, talked about a, like a lot of Orioles pitchers. There's something there. And it's awesome sure. that he has great command. Like, you know, Shane Bieber is like the the poster child for this. Like a, a guy that has great command and can toy with his arsenal and add different ways to get batters out. Like maybe he's actually mm -hmm. taking this step forward, but I'm I'm I feel like he's had had a lot of luck so far. Yeah, I think that's fair. I will say that this is the one category I really like him in. However, a 0 0.83 yeah. whip ain't happening. Like that's that's just not sustainable. One of the things that I think um 
makes me like him in this category a little more is that he does throw a lot of strikes. He does get a lot of spin on his pitches. His fastball spin is in the 89th mm. percentile, curve spin in the 71st percentile. But there's just going to be some clunkers, man, where he doesn't have his bad command and things can go real bad. And that 0.83 can turn into 0.95, can turn into 1.14, so on and so forth, awfully yeah. quick because he just doesn't have the stuff to make up for the days where he doesn't have his best feel uh strikeouts which is an actual fun category to talk about <laughs> obvious point is obvious i guess but i'm all in on hunter green i've been so impressed with what i've seen from hunter green especially as of late did have that one bad start in colorado who cares colorado isn't even a real place i'm not even sure colorado should count for like fantasy leagues like you should take it and like take one fourth of the stats that happened in colorado and just take them away but look this is a guy who has elite elite fastball and it is like you're seeing it his fastball velocity is in the 97th percentile he gets plenty of spin on it and get hitters to swing at it yeah, there's going to be some ups and downs for a 23-year-old. It's so crazy that Hunter Green, we talked about age stuff. It is so crazy that Hunter Green is only 23 years old. Like, he seems like yeah. he's been around for so long. But the one thing I know this dude is going to do is he is going to miss bats. He is going to pile up the strikeouts, even with some slowdown and some other numbers. And he's also had some bad luck as well. Like, his overall metrics suggest he's been much better than the 3.92 ERA that he's posted but I think he's going to be a helper, at least in that category for sure. Um, Lance Lynn is my fade, and it's weird to be talking about him as a fade because he's been dreadful. The reason I'm fading him is because I'm not so sure I want Lance Lynn, even if he's getting strikeouts starting for my team. This guy is a 6.55 ERA and a 1.51 whip. Now, look, I, I, Lance Lynn has been a favorite for a lot of people for a long time, and I get it because he goes deep into games, or he has been going deep into games for most of his career. But he's been getting hit so hard this year that it doesn't really matter to me that his whiff rate is above average and his fastball spin is well above average. Because when your expected ERA is in the bottom 17% and you are in the bottom near the bottom of baseball and expected slugging percentage and fastball velocity and a whole bunch of other stats, it's not worth it to me. So as, even if Lance Lynn does give you six or seven strikeouts in five innings. It's not worth the four or five runs that he's giving up. The White Sox kind of stink. I mean, I <laughs> was that your declarative statement on Lance Lynn? They, they kind of stink. Yeah, um, they kind of stink. Yeah, but hey, they're in the they're in a central division, so they're alive. <laughs> I know. Would you, real quick, before you get into yours, if you're the Chicago White Sox, would you consider trading Tim Anderson? Yeah. One year left, by the way. I think I would too. And I think they should be trading him to the Seattle Mariners because I think that the Seattle Mariners need a second baseman. And I think either JP Crawford or Tim Anderson would be just fine there. But I absolutely would be. There's trading been, him. yeah. There's been like outside connections with the Dodgers too. There's, yeah, there's a yeah. lot of stuff going on. But I think I said this with, with Ryan Boyer last week, like a lot of people are wanting to, to trade the White Sox players, but I don't think the White Sox are ready to give up on this season yet. Um, uh, probably I not. I think, yeah. Um, Cause why would you, it, there's no uh, reason to really do a sell off. <laughs> well, all right. Here's the thing. Why, why yeah, would you? I get a bad this. Question. <laughs> yes. I, I, I look, there's a lot of hubris in that organization, maybe more hubris than any organization in baseball right now. And they hate to admit when they're wrong about this stuff, but they're bad, man. Like, yes, they're still in the division. Technically, they're only seven and a half games back. But do you really think that team is better than Minnesota? Do you think that team's even better than Cleveland? Like, and you are not getting a wild card spot that that has been already eliminated. Yeah. It is mathematically impossible. I, I think you it's, have to catch the Twins or the Guardians. I think it's potentially a. I think it's a better team than the Guardians. I I was down on the Guardians coming to the year. The <laughs> Twins have the stability because the Twins have a little bit. bit of, I do have a White Sox hat. Uh, yeah. I, sh I should have worn it today. Uh, you should have. They the the Twins have some stability because they have the starting pitching. But yeah, I like the, that lineup and now Byron Buxton. You know has his durability is even though they've like protected him by putting him in the DH spot, even though they have a lot of other players, right. they could rotate through the DH spot. He's having some injury issues again. Yeah. 
that's it's a team that could kind of fall apart a little bit and yeah. the guardians have the worst mate like so far the worst offense in baseball which yeah. is not really a surprise like Josh oh, Bell and Mike Zanino were not going to cure your offensive issues. No, <laughs> on the contrary, for the I, latter one, yeah, 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 exactly. Um, there have been a lot of people in the chat talk about Pablo Lopez, and he's my for mm-hmm. real on strikeouts. Yeah. And, and he's regressed significantly in his last two turns in the Twins rotation. The ERA is now up in the mid fours, but the K's are still cooking 86 strikeouts through 71 and a third innings, 12 starts so far for Minnesota. Lopez was never a huge strikeout compiler during his time with the Marlins, 174 K's in a career high, 180 innings last year, you know, good, not great, but there have always been hints that Pablo Lopez, Pablo Lopez could generate more swing and misses like the CSW, the called strike plus whiff rate. That's what that means, right? Called strike plus whiff. Mm-hmm. Um, has suggested that he should be getting more strikeouts all along. And this year, it finally is ha- happening, even as the ERA has been a stinker lately. His velocity is up from where it was in 2022. That helps everything. Um, has that excellent changeup, throwing a lot of sweepers. I think his recent rough to like mediocre starts are more of a blip and that you can feel – I think comfortably optimistic about Lopez being a top 30 top 25 pushing toward the top 20 fantasy starter the rest of the way. Certainly like that's buoyed by the strikeouts. If he maintains the strikeout rate that he's shown so far, but I I think he can. Um, But also I think some positive regression, we've talked about regression in a negative way, but there's positive regression with ERA and he'll be fine in that department. I don't, I don't think he's going to finish as a mid four ERA kind of pitcher. He's, he's pitched better than that. Um, And, you know, we're early in the season at small sample size. I think he's going to get back, back down to the threes and um, could wind up being, you know, a 200, 220 plus strikeout type of pitcher at the the end of the day. Uh, I'll fade Mm -hmm. Mackenzie Gore, who I Mm -hmm. really like. And, and I'm all about seeing him thrive now with the nationals after you know, so many stops and starts in the early part of his career, a former top, top prospect, you know, finally enjoying stability and success. I, I say finally, he just turned 24 years old this spring, but Gore was drafted out of high school by the Padres in 2017, the third overall pick in that draft. It's been a, a long and, and winding road to where he is today. Yes. He was nasty. I'm going to start going to a Beatles song. Uh, Gore was, was nasty last time out against the Royals. 11 strikeouts over seven innings of one run ball. He's now up to 74 strikeouts and 58 innings this season. But you worry about where the workload crunch starts setting in. Uh, and the Nationals have been pretty open about playing this all carefully that he will at some point have to be treated with shorter outings or be skipped, um, maybe like moves to the bullpen for a little bit. Maybe they, they're they going to kind of game what his end-of-season inning total innings total will be, and that's going to create a lot of frustration in fantasy, obviously, because you know th- there have been a lot of injuries. There's been changes in organizations. He's just not built up to be a 150-inning guy and there's no reason for the Nationals to push him to be that. Like they, they might want to stall him around 120 innings, maybe 130. So that's the reason for the fade, knowing that the Nats are not playing for anything in 2023. I think I'll love Gore in drafts for 2024 if he makes it through this year healthy. Like that's a full-on breakout candidate. Um, if you can sell high in, in fantasy to somebody who doesn't know that there's a workload concern, I guess good luck finding sure. that guy if he's if you're in a competitive league. But uh, I love everything that's happening with Mackenzie Gore, but you know at some point he's going to have to hit a wall, and even if it's, even if it's just the Nationals creating a wall for him. Yeah, I mean, look, long term, I'm a huge Mackenzie Gore fan, but just the fact that. I don't believe in this Nationals lineup and like you, everything you said about the the innings limit stuff is it's just not going to be, I would definitely sell high on him in redraft. I'm not selling him at all in dynasty and keeper. I think he has oh, a no. chance to be a absolute pitching superstar. By the way, uh, do you know who Pablo Lopez was traded for from the Mariners side? The Pablo Lopez trade. Do you remember? No. That? Way back when David, David Phelps, David 
Phelps. Really good move. Mr. DePoto doesn't make me sad at all. That was uh, a DePoto move? That was a DePoto move. Yeah. Yeah, that was, really? I believe, Man. 2017. Yeah. Yeah, traded with okay. Brian Hernandez, Brandon Miller, and Lucas Giraldi for David Phelps, who, you know, he was like a legitimate high-end reliever, but uh, whoopsie daisy because, oh my gosh, how good would Pablo Lopez look with that starting pitching staff right now and their development of pitchers? <sighs> I'm trying to avoid talking about saves because it's my least favorite category to ever exist. Let's just but, not even do it. Let's close out. Yeah, okay. Well, this was fun. We'll talk about No. Uh, Camilo Duvall is my buy, and it's mostly about the fact that, look, when I'm looking for relievers to acquire at this point, um, I start to first think about what I'm doing with my life, and second, I like to look at whether or not they're playing for a team that is okay, but it's going to play a lot of close games and give me a bunch of chances, and I think the Giants are kind of the definition of that team, and that's the reason why Duvall has already saved 14 games. On top of that, he's been really good. His whiff percentage, his fastball velocity, his fastball spin, ex expected ERA, all above the 90th percentile, 98th percentile in strikeouts. Like, I think there was some concern about whether or not this guy was actually going to be the set it and forget it save guy, but he's getting the majority of the chances there and then some. I really like Duvall. I could also see him being a guy um, who could be moved to a contender, which is a little bit concerning because if he gets moved, then you're not talking about him being the closer necessarily. And that's the reason why I'm going to pick as my fade, uh, David Bednar. I am terrified if I have him on my roster that he's going to get traded to a team and not be the closer anymore. And look, yeah. as good as his rates are, and oh my goodness gracious, like if you look at his baseball savant page, he looks like the results of an Idaho election. Like there is just that much red that is going on with that guy. His walk percentage is elite. Uh, I don't think he's actually walked anybody this year, which is uh, pretty good. Expected batting average of 170 against. Like he's an elite elite reliever but if he gets traded to a team and becomes the high leverage guy that you use in a whole bunch of situations and isn't guaranteed saves i'm sorry that's just not as valuable in fantasy i think jeff bazan brought up a really good point that bednar is a yinzer i think he is a guy who wants to stay in pittsburgh so that is something they know that could be held and it's also like you can move david bednar in the offseason if you decide that you don't want to pay him elite closer money and i can't see pittsburgh paying a reliever elite closer money based on oh i don't know history yeah. yeah and probably not i mean look if you're gonna if you're not gonna sign um real life baseball players why spend all of your money on a bullpen arm but as much as i like david bednar he would be someone i'd be looking to sell high on because if he gets moved to another team and he is not that closer. His value drops fairly precipitously. Yeah, there are a lot of those uh, guys that, you know, are above. Uh, there's like, yeah, several of them on, on that leaderboard right now where it's like if they get traded, you could just yeah. drop in value. But every fantasy manager knows how, how this goes. Uh, I'll go with then Jason Adam as my. I don't know, man, because it's like <laughs> it's a category and we're trying to do all the categories. <laughs> Everybody knows I mean, what I'm we're not, talking about. I'm not about. happy about it talking either. About it. Goodness gracious. We got to talk after the show, man. Someone's got to do it. I'll talk Top Chef, but I'm going to spoil yeah. the, the latest yeah, episode. We, get, which, we got in trouble like, the last time we did that. My wife was crying uh, <laughs> at the end of the episode. I'll just tell you that. Oh, like, it was an emotional bad. episode. She yeah, couldn't stop crying. It was if that now gives you any idea about, about closers yeah <laughs> I know, I know. but if, if that gives you an, i know you haven't seen the latest one yet but it was a great yeah. episode it's their, their first one awesome. in Paris. anyway I'll, nice. I'll go with jason adam as my for real you know the raised i think standout reliever pete fairbanks is back on the injured list this time with left hip inflammation he was also diagnosed with raynaud syndrome last month like blood flow issues to his fingers Fairbanks had an issue with forearm inflammation that required a previous IL stint. I know that it's tricky with the Rays, how they don't often have locked in roles for their relievers. Cause as a smart team, like why would you um, right. throw, throw your best reliever in the best situation, but they're going to have Absolutely. to lean more on, on Adam to, to handle save opportunities. You'd think like the depth chart and like the game script lines up for him to get most of the chances. 
Um, he's he primarily pitched in the eighth or ninth inning throughout May. Like you look at his game log, actually didn't earn a save in April, Adam. Uh, but now it's seven of them all racked up in the last four weeks. He can work multiple innings too. The Rays have done that with him already. They bring Adam in for the eighth, and then he stays in for the ninth out of need or whatever. You'll take that, and he can handle doing it. You know, Fairbanks might be back later this month, but the durability stuff with him is piling up. I think there's maybe an opportunity for Adam to run away with, I'm not going to say like the closer job, but a primary share of it. And that he'll wind up getting the most of the save chances for what has been the best team in baseball still surprising or not. They had a bunch of blowout wins early on, but they're playing closer games recently because, you know, baseball is hard which is you know, where you get the saves in these close games. And, and I, I think Adam will be the guy they call in to put out fires, but if they can save him for the ninth, they'll do it. Uh, I think Kevin Cash, the Rays manager, has proven that he's okay with more defined roles if you know the, the situation calls for it. They, wanna, sure. they want to run – I say this all the time with the Rays. Like the perception is like, oh, they do things differently than other teams in baseball because they're smarter. No, they do things differently because they have to because they yes. have such a low payroll. But right. when they have starters, you know, Shane McClanahan that can go, uh, even with Zach Eflin, they, when they have starters that can be treated as traditional starters, when they have relievers that it's a little bit different with the bullpen, but they want to be able to have traditional, you know, pitching roles. They just haven't been able to in the past because they don't have the riches yeah. that they have right now. Um, Pierce Johnson is, is my fate. I'm going to sure. go out on a limb here, Chris, and I'm, I'm going to fade the Rockets <laughs> closer. Uh, what if Pierce Johnson is traded, though? What if Pierce Johnson is traded to a contender and he is the closer? Are you a little more excited by that or no still? it's not, Dude, he has a 685 ERA. Like, <laughs> I, was, I, was try, I was trying to end the show on almost a joke. Um, okay, he blew well, a chance a good, on Thursday. Yeah, yeah. he sucks. Go ahead. He's not a good. He's not a good pitcher. He, he Pierce well, Johnson is just, not a good. Yeah. No. If anyone, no. but he's got eleven saves. Like if you pro- projected yeah. Pierce Johnson to be at a double-digit save total on June third, yeah. you know, you'd you'd be like your buddy who at the sixty thousand dollar parlay. Yeah. Even even uh, more. I, I would take greater odds than that. Yeah. Go ahead. This is actually a pretty good question. Uh, the Hart Foundation. I have Adams for Fairbanks since he's on IR. Would you go with Will Smith over both? He's available in my league. Uh, I think I might. And here's the thing. We talked about the Rangers. Like, I think they maybe want to go with Will Smith as that closer guy, the guy who throws in that, you know, it's a three-run game and you just want the guy who's had success doing it type of thing. Like, I think the Rangers are going Bruce to make Bochy, a baby. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, and and having, uh, if they make that trade for a Bednar or for uh, somebody of the of that ilk, that reliever type of thing, I think they'll use him as that seventh eighth inning guy to be that guy who's getting through the order. And then Will Smith has basically become the Mark Melanson, the guy who is counted on in the five to two baseball game to get the save because you know he isn't going to have a blow up. So I think I maybe would prefer Will Smith because I think he's pretty locked into that closer role right now. I think he should, if he's available in your league, which the the comment says he, you should pick up Will Smith. Um, he, yeah. he earned a like a seven pitch save the other night. He's perfect for that kind of Bruce Bochy back into the bullpen role. Right. I would rather have Adam um, and have Fairbanks sit in an IL spot. I would rather have Adam than Will Smith because he's just better. Okay, but sometimes better doesn't really matter for this category, which is why it's 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 hard to talk about it like and offer like expert analysis on it. For sure. Um, uh, one other anyway, yeah, fade, we, fade yeah, Pierce Johnson. Okay, go ahead. Uh, yeah, yeah fade, you fade you Pierce handle because I'm actually in, Andres Munoz is out there in a lot of leagues, even though he's on yeah. the IL. Like, what do you do with the? Do you have a read on what the Mariners are going to do? So. Kind of. It's it's a little tough. Gold. So the question for those who are listening is, do you think Andre Munoz will take over the closer spot once he gets back from the IL for the Mariners? I don't think so. I At least I don't think he's going to get the majority of safe chances. Paul Seawald has been so good in that role. Like if you take a look at his ERA, it's extremely misleading because 
What he'll do in yeah. a four-run game is say, I don't care. I'm going to throw fastballs down the middle of the plate and everything is going – like he is the literal – He, he him and J- uh, Jack Morris would really get along because pitch to the score is what Paul Seawalt has done. Like take a look at his ERA in safe situations versus non-safe situations. It's crazy. They trust him so much in that role. And Andres Munoz, they want to keep him healthy. They want to make sure that he's you know a huge part of the long-term stuff. I think they're going to kind of ease him into high leverage stuff when he first comes back. Uh, it is worth pointing out that he, this was considered a two week injury at first, and now has been a much longer than two week injury, Drew, which is uh, something that uh, if you're going to take one thing from this podcast, don't believe anything a GM ever tells you about a pitcher. Like uh, if they tell you a couple of weeks with shoulder inflammation, they tell you a couple of weeks with a flexor strain, they are lying to you. But I don't think Andres Munoz is going to be uh, the set it and forget it closer for them. He could be in the long term, but I don't think so. Um, Uncle Ted brings up that Prelander was converted to closer. He's the next Diaz. No, he's not. But Prelander Barroa is actually a very interesting relief pitcher. He's a guy who throws a ridiculous slider and has a ton of movement on his fastball. He's definitely a guy to keep in the long term, but we probably shouldn't compare him to Edwin Diaz. Uh, stop stop arguing with the commenters chris i'm not arguing i'm just saying I, I, uncle ted thank you very much for the question and i appreciate all of the stuff that you do for this chat you are a gentleman yeah a we do appreciate like our, our regular oh, heck yeah people that tune in um that'll do it for us though on on this episode of the roadwire fantasy baseball podcast i just i don't want to talk saves anymore uh, this show has been brought to you by Rival Fantasy. Go to rivalfantasy.com or download the app today and start playing a far better form of daily fantasy baseball. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Drew Silve. Chris is at Crawford underscore M-I-L-B. Rate and review the show if you like what you're hearing. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube or on your podcast formats as well. And, and check out more episodes from a variety of hosts on a variety of topics every day of the week. Peace out. Bye. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.